Well, listen, guys, uh, you know, we, we are, we're in our third week here today of this sermon series uh, that, that we're calling the prodigal, right? And, and uh, most of you may have expected uh, that, we're gonna, that we would learn about the prodigal son and just how far he was from God. But uh, last week, we got to hear Pastor Jason get up here and, uh, and teach about the prodigal father, right? Uh, which was a great look at the extravagance of, of God and his forgiveness. And, and we learned about his desire to be in a reconciled relationship with us. And, and so today we're going to look at maybe a, a little bit less focused on character in this parable, the, the older brother who is the, the rule keeper. And you might be surprised to realize that a, a rule keeper can actually be far from God just as much as, as the rule breaker. Um, but we, you know, we, we, we tend to think of, of rule keepers kind of as the ones that, that God favors, right? They're, they're in good with him, especially the, the religious ones because they follow the rules. Um, they do what they're told, right? We don't get phone calls about them from the principal or from a bail bondsman, you know, in the middle of the night. But um, here in this, in this parable, the older brother's often overlooked. I know I have, I, I've overlooked him in this parable my entire life. But what was really interesting is as I prepped for this message, uh, I realized that it was probably this brother who I identified most with uh, in my life. And you know, this part of the story really is crucial. It's really important here because we have to remember who Jesus is talking to as he's sharing this, this parable. He's talking to the Pharisees. He's talking to the, the rule keepers. This is for their benefit. Right? And, and so for, for some of Jesus' hearers, for those rule keepers, this part of the story is, is most important. And I just want to tell you guys that um, I was a rule keeper. Uh, most of you guys know that, I was, that I'm a, a retired police officer. And so all of my, my adult life, or at least the, the first two decades of my adult life, um, I not only kept the rules, but I en- enforced them as well. And, you know, I was required to uh, live my life, um, you know, to a higher standard. And so I made conscious decisions to, to opt out of certain activities that I wanted to do because there were expectations around my life. But when you do that, it is, it's really easy to become jaded and cynical, which is a nice way of saying that I was very judgmental and highly opinionated about how people live their lives um, and, and how unfair it was maybe that they, they didn't experience uh, an equivalent amount of, of discomfort for their bad choices and what I felt would be justice for them. So, so I was a rule keeper. Maybe you're a, a rule keeper. Um, and if you're a religious person, you probably are, right? Like uh, we often try to obey God's rules or at least we, try, we, we, at least we think we do. Now, it's important to explain that not every rule keeper is far from God, but many are. And, and although I didn't know it, I was far from God myself. But I want you to remember that if you are far from God, no matter how far, there is still hope for you. So today, I want you to just kind of consider as we go through this, I want, I want you to consider, is that you? Are you a, a, a rule follower um, who is far from God? And today, we're going to look at five marks for that, five marks of a rule keeper who is far from God and so I invite everybody here to uh, evaluate whether any of these topics, every, any of these marks have our name on them, right? Um, now, as I say, I say, 
I'm gonna try that again. As I said, uh, the context here is that Jesus is speaking to a group of Pharisees, right? And in Luke uh, 15, the first two verses of Luke 15, it says, tax collectors and other notorious sinners, those are, those are the rule breakers, often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and the teachers of religious law, those are the rule keepers, it made them complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. Now, guys, can you imagine how revolting it must be to sit with notorious sinners to eat with them, right? I mean, what was, what's that even look like? They're, you know, chewing with their, with their mouth full or with their, with their mouth open, right? Maybe they're, they're probably sitting there with their elbows up on the table. And, and the really bad ones, the really bad ones probably even ate dessert first, um, no, we're, we're, we're not referring to the rules of the dinner table here, right? Uh, just rule, breaking, rule breakers and, and sinners in general. And so Jesus is telling um, them a series of parables here in this chapter. There's three of them he's, he's telling. And parables are, are simply short stories um, to help illustrate a spiritual lesson. And in, in this particular parable, uh, in, the, in, the, in week one of this series, we learned that this guy, uh, in this story, he has two sons. The younger of the sons, he, he breaks cultural protocol by asking for his inheritance while his dad is still alive. And then he recklessly squanders it and fi- finds himself groveling for, for pig scraps. And then when he repents, remember we talked about what repenting is. That is, uh, when he decided to stop going his way and start going God's way, he decides to go back home and beg for a job as a servant in his dad's house. And then last week in week two, we learned that the father who represents God in this, in this story, he also broke cultural protocol by eagerly watching and waiting for his son. And then not only, not only welcoming, him, welcoming him back without punishment, because remember, he ran to him and he hugged on him and he kissed on him, um, not only welcoming him back without punishment, but, but then lavishing him with, with blessings. His, his, brother, his uh, father had a, a ring put on his, on his finger. He put sandals on his feet. And then he, he throws him a feast and has this, this, uh, this big party, right? So that's our backstory. So now let's look, at this, let's look at this first mark of a rule keeper who is far from God. And that is that you work for yourself not for the benefit of, of others. Um, and in, in this passage, it says, meanwhile, the older son was in the fields working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what's going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating <clears throat> because of his safe return. Now, this, the, the, the older son here, he, he really uh, reveals how out of touch he is with the father's heart. Do you see how isolated he is from his family and and from his community? It says that he heard music and dancing in the house all going on already, right? This this party is already hopping by the time he he finds out. The fact that the older brother is completely unaware of the situation really drives home the fact that he was totally isolated from the family and and really totally isolated from the community because the community is already involved in this party. An interestingly ironic point here is that, and we'll get into this a little bit more, but uh, that the outsider, younger brother, is now an insider because of the condition of his heart. 
and the rule-following older brother who thought of himself as, as being on the, on the inside now finds himself outside because of the condition of his heart. So this first mark here has, has two points. The first one is that you work for yourself, right? Now we learn later on in the story, the older brother's work was about establishing uh, his own value and importance to his father and, and you know, in the community. He thought very highly of himself because of his efforts, because of you know, the work that, that he's doing. He thought his father owed him something because of that work. He did it to be rewarded, um, not out of love or care. And the second, the second point on, on this mark is that he does it not for the benefit of others. Right? He clearly didn't care about his younger brother. Um, it's logical to wonder if, the, if, if he even cared about his, about his father um, even a little. See, we, we saw in, in week one that the younger son didn't care about the father. He only cared about what the father had that he wanted. But really, how's the older son any different at this point? I mean, he acts like he's upset about the father being disrespected while he himself is disrespecting the father by uh, his complaining. We'll see this here in a minute. By through his complaining, his demanding, his pouting. So now, let, let's connect his um, let's connect his attitude to the Jewish religious leaders that Jesus was addressing here. They, these guys were self-righteous. They were self-aggrandizing and, and they were proud of everything that they did for God. But as we see over and over uh, throughout the New Testament, they were far from God. All right, let's look at the second mark of rule keepers who are far from God. And that is you get mad at God for his extravagance towards others. Now, like I said here, there was clearly a party going on, but the older brother, he wasn't in a, in a mood to celebrate. It says, uh, it says here in this, in this first part here, it says the older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. So let's put this in the context of the three parables in, in this chapter, um, because Jesus clearly tells all three of these um, as a set to be understood together. So in the first one, if you guys remember, the shepherd did a reckless and extravagant thing by, by leaving uh, the 99 sheep to go seek out the one that was lost. And then when he finds that lost sheep, his response was joy, right? He invites everybody around into a celebration. And then in the second one, in the second parable, uh, this, the woman who had 10 coins and she lost one, um, she's not reckless, but she was passionate and she was determined. And when she found that, lo that lost coin, her response was also joy, and she also invited the, the community in, uh, the, her, her neighbors in for a celebration. Now, in both of those, Jesus offers us a glimpse of the culture of heaven. You know, the Bible says that the angels of heaven rejoice when a lost person is found. Um, and in this, in this parable that we're studying, this is reflected by the father's response to his son when he comes back. He has great joy, right? So the point is that, the point is, there's a joyous response in, in all three of these stories, but the older brother is the only character who's not rejoicing. So clearly, Jesus sets him apart from the entire emotional tone of these stories, and he's making a point here, and when Jesus is making a point, we should listen, right? 
Um, now, see, similarly, the Jewish leaders should have been rejoicing that Jesus was welcoming in these notorious sinners and, and tax collectors. Um, you know, like I said, during, during my, my time as a police officer, um, I, had a front, I had, you know, a front row seat to some really bad stuff, um, some messed up things that, that people did to each other. And, and honestly, sometimes um, I would see those same people turn around and get their lives back on track. They were successful. And I wondered how it was that they avoided, you know, justice in, 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 my, in my opinion, why God wasn't proportionately punishing these people for their crime. But rule keepers often resent the grace of God toward rule breakers because they value themselves so much more and, and um, then they value other people. And I think that that was probably, probably my case. So, um, you know, later we're, we're going to see that that's exactly why the older brother was bothered by this celebration too. So let's look at the third mark of rule keepers who are far from God. And that is you're blind to God's extravagance toward you. Now, in this in this story, the older son was causing shame to fall on his, on his father. The next part of that passage says, his father came out and begged him. Now, in the InterVarsity Press uh, Bible background commentary, it says, publicly refusing to enter in the midst of a party makes an intra-family dispute public news, dampening the celebration, and worse yet, shaming his father just as the young, younger brother had in a culture where honor and shame were essential values. And this is also a grievous insult to the father's dignity and could have warranted discipline or being disinherited. Instead of punishing him, however, the father comes out and humbles himself, giving up his honor to seek reconciliation with his son. Now, ironically, this is exactly what the younger son did, but he did it in a, in a different way. But Jesus is drawing parallels here between these two sons, showing the rule keepers that they may be no better than others. Um, in spite of this offense, the father pursues his son. So by, by coming out of the party and, and begging him, he does three things. First, dad overlooks the grievance, right? Second, he leaves his place as host to seek his son out. And third, he humbled himself. He, he sacrificed his own honor here to beg and to plead with his sulking, disrespectful son. And yet that older son remained blind to how generous and, and gracious his father was. You guys have experienced this. Um, you've experienced this in your own kitchen uh, when you, you've gone and you've cut up some, some fresh brownies and you know, you, uh, you, one of your kids who's already got a slice on his plate complains, you know, she got a bigger piece than me, even though you know, he's got a plate full of, of brownie already, completely failing to take into consideration what he has right? Not only does the older son here fail to recognize the extravagant blessings in his life, but then he goes on and, and further disrespects uh, and dishonors the father. He remains not just outside the party, um, but he remains as an outsider because his heart isn't right. Let's look at the fourth, oh, I'm sorry. 
there we go. The, the fourth mark of a rule keeper who is, is far from God is that you look at relationships transactionally, whereas God just wants to be in relationship with us. See, in this, in this passage, we get us all a look at the older brother's heart here through his response to his father's appeal. It, it, it goes on, it says, he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing you told me to. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Now notice the, the different ways the son's attitude towards the, the father was, was disrespectful. In the, again, in the Bible background commentary, it says, failing to greet one's father with a title was a grievous insult to the father's dignity. Right now, if we, the, the younger son, he, he did something similar in, in verse 12, right? When he left, he, he was just as, as dishonoring. But when he comes back in verse 20, he, he shows honor uh, to, his, to his dad when he greets him upon his return. And the son, the son emphasizes his service, even though um, the father made it clear that he wanted a son and not a servant. We remember we heard that from, from Pastor Jason last week. But I think we should also note that the older brother didn't want a relationship with uh, his younger brother either. He says, he says uh, this son of yours, not, not my brother, when he's talking about him, right? See, the, the, the older son is not concerned with relationships. He's just concerned with what he gets out of them. The older son sees a transactional relationship, which is a, a, a relationship based on, on a, a, a contract, maybe an unspoken contract, but, but on a contract. Like, I will do X for, X for you uh, as long as you uh, do Y for me. So his, the, the relationship's only valued for what it, it provides. So the son emphasizes everything that he has, has done for the father. He held up his end of the contract, but the younger brother, the younger son, uh, didn't hold up his end. So it was an offense to the older brother to throw a party for the younger brother. In his mind, the father also didn't hold up his end of the bargain either. He says, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends, but here for the younger brother, they're, they're killing the fattened calf. As humans, guys, we often forget that God's ways are, are above ours, right? We think that we know what's, what's fair. Um, and again, the older son completely missed the father's heart. He, he misses out on, on understanding that the real blessing is the relationship. He became entitled and he became resentful because he's keeping score. See, he was the ideal servant but his father didn't want another servant. He wanted a son. This was clear. This was made clear when the younger son came home, right? He offered himself up as a servant, but the father would only take him back as a son. And then the father demonstrates that he wants that same kind of relationship with the older son as well. So, so many religious people today um, approach God transactionally, 
right? If they serve God, um, they feel that God is obligated to, to bless them. If they give financially, they expect that God is going to reward them financially. That's not the way it works. They think that if they obey and if they serve God, they expect that God will give them an easy life. Guys, that's not the way it works. God doesn't want a relationship with us. Or excuse me, he doesn't want a contract with us. Good catch. He doesn't want a contract with us. He wants a relationship, but he wants a relationship that with, with intimacy. He, he wants a relationship with a real connection, right? A relationship that's, that's, that that's comes from from love, a place of love. Our service to him flows out of love for him, not out of what we think that God uh, owes us, right? And you know, earlier Tim mentioned the need for volunteers. That's not a, that's not a thing about uh, you've been here so long and you need to step up and serve. The issue is we demonstrate our love for God as we serve other people. Not, we don't do it so that we get blessed by him. That's not, that's not the case right? Our love for God should pour out of us in the way that we serve other people. It's a heart condition first. I think, you know, I think a lot of religious people only, only understand servanthood. They don't understand sonhood or daughterhood. They think that that's what God wants from them is you do this and, and, and he'll give you, he'll give you that. So they're satisfied with this kind of an approach because maybe, maybe it stokes their ego, right? Because they feel like they've, they've lived a pretty good life. You know, how many times do we hear that from people? Well, I've lived a pretty good life. Well, maybe the, maybe the fact is that they just, they just don't know any better. So guys, please, please don't, don't settle for a servant relationship when Jesus invites you to be his sons and his daughters, to have that intimate relationship, that, that relationship built out of love and have that real connection with him. Well, this brings us to our last mark of a rule follower that is far from God. And that is you stay on the outside. Jesus ends this story here in a, in a pretty provocative way. It says, his father said to him, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and he has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. See guys, the, the, the father here is, is trying to connect. He's trying to win the son's heart. He's trying to explain that this is, that this is not transactional. He says, everything I have is yours. He tells him, that, he lets him know that it's not about earning anything from him. Look at, look at how the, the father talks about, about this relationship. He says, your brother was dead, and now he's alive. He was lost, and now he's found, which, by the way, ties directly back to those first two parables in, in the chapter about the lost coin and about the lost sheep. The, for the father, this is not transactional. He doesn't say that we need to celebrate this happy day because your brother passed a test and, and, and proved himself worthy. There's no issue of, of worthiness. This is about he was dead and now he's alive. That son of his was lost and now he's found. 
But this is what's interesting. I think this is, I think this is really interesting, is that Jesus never tells us what the older brother chose, right? So we wonder, did he, did he relent and come into the party? Or did he stay out, outside anger, or, you know, angry and, and, and bitter and separated and estranged from his father? You know, this story just, it, it ends, and the older brother's still outside, and there's nothing that suggested that he repented. You know, the, the younger son, we know that he came to his senses. He turned from, from his wild living and his, his extravagance, and he has a change of heart, and he returns humbly to his dad, right? So we wonder if the, if the older son um, is going to come to his senses as well and, and turn from his self-righteousness and his, his pride um, and, his, and his bitterness and return humbly to his father. But Jesus leaves the story hanging for our benefit, and I think that he did it for good reason. He doesn't tell us what the rule keeper chose because some rule keepers still need to choose. So as we close here today, guys, if, uh, if you're a rule keeper, um, if one or, or more of these marks hits close to home, I want you to ask yourself what you would do if you were in that older son's shoes. Ask yourself if you have the heart of the father here. Do you love him? Or is it just, what, just about what he can do for you? Rule keepers can be just as far from God as rule breakers. But guys, if that's you, you don't have to stay on the outside. I just want to remind you, if you are far from God, no matter how far, there is still hope for you. But it takes, it takes repentance. Just like it does for anyone, not just, not just the rule keepers, but for everybody. Not repentance from wild living, right? Because you, as rule keepers, you've been, you've been following those rules. But repentance from hard attitudes, that, that are keeping you from that, that intimacy with God. I just ask that you would, you would humble yourself and admit that keeping the rules don't save you. It was, it was Jesus coming and, and being sacrificed on that cross, having lived a perfect life, a sinless life, and, and giving himself up as a sacrifice for the punishment that was due for me. Right? The punishment that was due for you as sinners. And having faith in that, that that's the only way for us to be saved. Will you guys pray with me? God, I just, um, I thank you for, uh, I thank you for this lesson in my own life. And uh, Lord, it, you know, it, it's, it's so beneficial to be able to see this, this predicament from three different uh, perspectives perspectives here because, Lord, I think that everybody in this room probably finds themselves um, in a place where they can relate to one of the three in this story or maybe more than one uh, at different times of our life. So, Lord, I just ask that, um, as I said before, that you would, you would help us to be able to take these, these lessons and uh, apply them find, them, find places in our life where we can, where we can uh, apply them and where we can allow our, our 
uh, our hearts to be changed, to come at you, to, to repent and to come at you with a, a, a humility that maybe we didn't have before. Maybe we genuinely thought that the better life we live, the more that, uh, the, the closer we are with you. And maybe we've actually been missing out, Lord, on, on understanding that it's relationship that you want with us. So Lord, as we go about our, our weeks, uh, as we leave here today, just ask that you would help us to be, to be mindful of that, that the relationship with you is, is, uh, is the blessing. It's not, it's not doing things for you to then bless us um, that, that we need to focus on, but that the relationship with you is how we're blessed. Lord, we thank you and we love you. We say this in Jesus' name, amen.